Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we don't have a name for this podcast yet. We have two name suggestions. I'll let Ryder tell y'all and maybe we can get a vote on that and pick a name. But it's myself, Ryder Sparkman, Chance Harding, I'll let them introduce yourselves. We're going to do some Q&As on this podcast, just about hunting in general, pretty much. So y'all go ahead on that. Go ahead with the names, Ryder. Uh, the, the names we have are, are one is about Preston Anderson, and that's going to be Pushing the Limits podcast, and the other, Chance just threw it out, I don't know where he came up with it, but uh, the Front Porch podcast, and okay. y'all, you know, send in DM, whatever, I'm sure Hunter will put up a little vote deal sooner or later, and go ahead and smash one of them, but uh, yeah, my name is Ryder Sparkman, I'm uh, the youngest of the of the three, I uh, I go to school up in San Marcos, and I major in kinesiology, and hopefully one of these days I'll be a high school coach, and it's kind of what I want to do, and Chance, want to take it from here? Uh, yeah, my name's Chance Harding. Uh, I work in the electrical industry, industry as a, an apprentice lineman. I'm a little grunt, but we're working our way up the chain. Uh, I love the outdoors and just getting outside and bow hunting, and Anything to do with hunting in general, really. Waterfowl hunting is another big factor on my list, but that's about it. Yep, my turn. Right, my name is Hunter Johnson. Uh, I'm in the same work fit, work line as Chance. Uh, got my own little family. Got a wife and a little son. And bow hunting's what gets me, specifically backcountry bow hunting. But it's all fun and. So I think we're going to start on the Q&As. Ryder has the questions on his phone, but he's wrestling my dog around right now. <laughs> it's, it's hot out here. Y'all can hear him. It's hot out here. She's panting like a, yeah. like a stuck ahead, dog in the, the summertime. I think we should probably start with that first one. Uh, probably the, the biggest question in the hunting industry. Yeah. Uh, fixed or mechanical? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and start it off. Uh... I'm a big fixed guy, fixed blade broadhead guy, and I was the exact opposite starting out hunting. I shot the biggest broadhead I could find. If I could have got a broadhead that was a foot wide, I'd have shot it. <laughs> and uh, the main main reason I kind of switched is because I, uh, I shot a lower poundage bow, and I couldn't get my arrow weight set up. And I think that's probably the number one thing when shooting a mechanical is your arrow weight setup over anything. And I think you need to be over 400 grains at least at, at, the, at the bottom end. And my second deal with shooting a mechanical is when they hit anything hard, anything that's not soft, fleshy, easy to cut through, bad things happen. And... I just, I like the no, no worry, no, not having to worry about hitting a, a, the shoulder, not having to back off anything, not having to screw around brush and change arrows back and forth. I just, I just like the reliability of a, of a fixed blade. What about y'all? You me go or you go champ? Go ahead. All right. So. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say I'm pro fixed too, but I'll always have mechanicals with me. I do have confidence in them up to a certain extent. 
Um, I've also do have this argument that I've never heard. Uh, I've only told it to Ryder and Chan. I think it's a really good argument. What y'all think about that, by the way? It's pretty good. Pretty good argument. Yeah. So, uh, so people always say, well, I get. So say you're shooting a two-inch rage, and I'm shooting a one of the sixteen-inch iron wheel. Okay, you're getting third or fifteen sixteenths more of an inch per inch cut than me. But say your rage only gets eight inches of penetration, and I get a complete pass through on a big animal. I'm getting that much more body mass of that animal. We figured it up the other day on, on Chance's elk like situation. A little, a little bit more. It was eight inches total. I was getting it was surface. total. It was sixteen inches total. Yeah. More that I was getting with a fixed blade, or that he would get with a fixed blade versus a mechanical, because he only got eight inches of penetration with his mechanical. And go, going on that today, we had an incident that we were pig hunting this morning, and Chance got on eighth. Big hog, not. I mean, this hog was pushing what? He was a little. It was about two fifty. Yeah, I mean, over two hundred, and hell, wasn't that far. I mean, wasn't a far shot. What, thirty five, thirty six yards? Thirty six. And he's shooting a two inch expandable at four hundred and almost sixty grains, at right a little over three hundred feet per second, and only got ten inches of penetration at the most. Ten, eleven inches. Yeah. And if you have a fixed blade there, you blow through the animal or bury it to the fletchings at least. Yeah. And I've always said two holes is better than one on any animal. So back to the, I'm going to shoot pretty much a fixed blade on certain situations unless it's one very windy on a longer shot and I'm confident in that shot. And I know that mechanical is going to do its job. And then also backup shots. So shoot an animal, make a decent shot or a bad shot. They run out there and stop. Typically, you're going to have a longer shot. I will go ahead and load up a mechanical in, shoot it out there, try to do as much damage as you can on a backup shot. Those are, those are the two things. I really don't think you can go wrong as long as you have the right arrow weight set up. Uh, like Ryder said, over four, over 400 grains. At the minute. No, at the minute. That's shooting, you know, low poundage for y'all women out there. Uh, I would recommend 450 at yeah. least. But I know maybe not shooting long and range with a 450. We've always shot rages. I don't think <clears throat> I've ever shot an expandable other than a rage. I think the first animal I shot was with the G5 Havoc. And me and Hunter did a broadhead test, and the G5 Havoc outperformed most fixed blades. In yeah. durability, durability wise. That being said, I don't like how the Havoc's built and I won't shoot one. But that's just me. I will probably have, if I have to shoot an expandable and have that option, I will probably shoot a G5 Havoc. The blades on those things, I feel like you they, can't they, break stood them. Up, they stood up to a very good a freaking yeah. cow scapula. If test. y'all want to see, go check out Hunter's. Uh, I don't have it. It's, it was just it? on my story, yeah. Okay. I thought you had it saved somewhere. Ah, but we can make one if we get enough deal. We can yeah. go do another one. Yeah. Go ahead, Chance. So, in my opinion, on the fixed versus mechanical, it's all going to be personal preference. These guys spoke on both of my terms on on what I think about fixed versus mechanical, uh, whether it be in the, the over 400 grains and your low poundage and all that. And 
I've said before that if an animal is inside 40, that I was probably going to shoot it with a expandable. Uh, but a lot to do with that is shot placement. Like Ryder said today, I shot a pig with a rage at 35 yards, got 10 inches of penetration. We did not find that pig. Tracked it for over 500 yards probably, and uh, nothing. I mean, we found blood the whole entire and he, way. And Chance, Chance is a long, a long guy. He's, I mean, he's shooting a heavy arrow at very, very high. More yeah, than, I mean, this dude's got a freaking thirty-one inch draw. His arrow is actually like four eighty. Yeah, and he's shooting seventy-five pounds out of this of Matthew's verdicts. Yeah, it's pushing heat. And, but he, I mean, this this pig is very big, and he did hit it a little high shoulder. A little high shoulder. So I, I may have clipped top of lung, but. In my opinion, if, if that shot would have been lower, that pig was dead, dead all yeah, day. Yeah. Because just at the speed and the weight of the arrow that I'm pushing, an expandable is going to make its mark. And a lot of this this fixed versus mechanical to me is confidence. Yes, and you'll yeah. hear Ryder, or Hunter, my bad, you'll hear Hunter talk about um, he was struggling, struggling with, with fixed blades, having confidence in them shooting past 40 I think yards. We all were. We were all we all are, and I, I still am. Yes, yeah, chances. I think that's one reason why Chance is still I'm still flinging. On, yeah, I'm still around because he's not can't he's not confident get in getting to fly like a mechanical. Fly right. Yeah, I cannot I cannot get a fixed blade to fly and right. It's always in the back of your mind that it's not going to yeah. hit where your pins. I I know that when I when I pick up a rage, that sucker is going to fly true out to seventy yards. Yeah, I know it. And that's one reason. Uh, that's a, another question later, but yeah, we'll touch back that, yeah. on that. We'll touch back on that, but that's that's my opinion on that. I like I like having that confidence on uh, if I pick up a rage, that sucker is going to hit true like my field points are. Uh, I'm not against fixed blades. I love fixed blades, uh, but until I get one to fly like I want it to fly out past fifty, if an animal is inside forty, I'm probably going to shoot it with a with an expandable. And me and Hunter both shoot Magnus. Uh, you shoot a Magnus what? Uh, Killer B. Killer B. I shoot a Magnus Stinger, hundred grain or one twenty five. Both those things are nasty, and it doesn't matter if you blow through an animal, hit a rock on the other side, and shatter your broadhead. Find a piece, send it in. They'll send you a brand new broadhead, no questions asked. That is true, and they're like what thirty bucks. Thirty bucks for three, like yeah. super cheap. And you can and sharpen them up, no problem. They I've, come out the package wicked sharp. I freaking sharp. shot at a pig yesterday. Probably get some tra- trash talking for this, but <laughs> forty yards. I'm talking sprinting. I let him about freaking twelve foot. Skipped it off a gravel road, bounced up and stuck back into the road. You know, a couple about a hundred yards up and pulled it out. Broadhead was fine, just sharpened it back up and missed a cow today with it. And That's another thing with <laughs> when, you, when you go with expandable. Oh, it's the same broadhead? Yeah, same one. With oh, dude, he missed his cow at 14 yards. Yeah. I'm got a little nervous. <laughs> I'm hunting with a silverback now. I, I shoot very good target with it. And, and the silverback is a, is yeah. a back tension release? Back tension. Uh, I've, I'm kind of committed 100% to it just because of how well I shoot targets with it. And I've shot three animals with it actually, but I've never had to shoot an animal like this other than my coos deer. But I knew I was gonna shoot this coos deer on the walk, and it was seven yards, so I just load up the back wall. And this coyote come, I caught him in with my mouth, come running in. Mine is a little pup coyote, and so I had to stop him. Well, when I stop him, usually 
when I'm used to stopping animals, I got a, a wrist strap with a trigger, and you know, I can punch the trigger. So whenever he stops, I'm thinking, shoot now. Well, I let go of this trigger, and my bow doesn't go off because it was my safety, and I freak out. And I start I start jerking on stuff, and I end up missing low. It was my fault. But it's I, I, I'm glad it happened because it disciplines me, and I know where I need to get better on it. And and in his mind, I told him, I was like, on the way home, driving home, I was like, you had enough time. He sat there for five seconds before yeah. the bow ever went off. I said, if you just go through your shot sequence, you pin him to the ground at 14 yards, no problem. <laughs> yeah. But in his mind, as soon as he stops, he's like, I need to shoot now. I don't have any time. But That's my two cents on, which we kind of yeah. got down a little rabbit hole on that. But. Yeah, we did get a little rabbit hole. But. Okay, let's do the... We all be using the same arrow setup for Colorado elk and Texas whitetail this fall. Alright, so I'm the only one going elk hunting this year. Chance is actually running to Arizona and going on a coos deer slash mule deer hunt because he has a tag from last January. So I'll let him speak on that. I'll go ahead and speak on the elk though. Um, yes, uh... I, I, the arrow setup I'm using is honestly really, really versatile. What arrow do you shoot? Uh, I shoot an Eastern Axis, four fletch, max stealth, um, 175 grains up front. And you shoot the 340s, right? Yeah, the 340. I went from the 300 to 340. I want to get my total arrow weight down for this reason. And I, I wanted a all-around versatile arrow. It's not light and super fast. But it's not heavy and super slow. So I'm good to go out to Arizona where Chance is going. And I need you're gonna you need a fast arrow out there. You're not you're Deer gonna you're gonna low, have long shot. That's just tip. a that's just a hunt where you're gonna have a long shot. You get a shot inside fifty yards, yeah. I mean you're and in there. So same with whitetail. Um you don't need a heavy arrow for whitetail. I mean those things Over are just they're so soft. Yeah. Uh, as long as you're shooting, I would say a fixed blade. If you're shooting mechanical, that heavier arrow is gonna help for sure. Um, but yeah, same arrow setup. I think I'm running like right at 475 without a nocturnal, and I practice without nocturnals. And honestly, I can't shoot well enough to notice a difference. Past, past past 50, I can start notice a difference about 60. Uh, but I think I'm kind of steering away from lighted knocks too, just because they're so expensive and don't work half the time. Yep. But half the time they yeah, break. Yeah. They the break they or they don't even on. light up. And uh, this these standard X knocks do rip the, the job. So chance, go ahead and go on that. So yes, I will be shooting the same arrows that I shoot at Whitetail. Uh, in Arizona for my mule deer slash coos hunt. You shoot the... I shoot gold tip airstrikes right. with the, the heavy insert up front. Sitting, I think it's sitting at right at 476. Our air weights are about the same. Yeah, they're about the same. But I'll be shooting the same just because the draw weight that I draw on my bow, 75 pounds plus my long, long draw length, uh, I don't lose any speed. Shooting a heavy arrow. Shooting yeah. a you heavy arrow. You can probably put 25 yeah. you, grains up front and be pushing the yeah. same way as Hunter. The, the same speed. The amount that you gain outweighs the speed that you lose. Yeah. 
Now, speed does kill when you start shooting long range, but you got to think you want. You have the, there's, there's, there arrow. is definitely a happy medium in these arrows. If you're doing all around hunting like we're yeah. doing, and like we're talking about here, whitetail and elk, these arrows are heavy enough. If you're shooting a fixed blade, they're going to zip through an elk. They're gonna zip through a whitetail. Yeah. Even even with a two inch mechanical, they will zip through a whitetail. Yeah, and they'll I mean they'll zip through pigs too, as long as it's not a big one. And back to that, as long as you don't. You you got good shot placement. Yeah. You're not hitting bone. You're hitting that good. But that's another reason I like to shoot fixed places because if you do hit high, yeah. you do hit forward on that shoulder. Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, you don't have to worry about. Oh, I'm only gonna get half an arrow. You're gonna put it to the fletchings, and it's gonna have two holes, and yeah. maybe get instead of clipping one lung, you clip both, and that might be the deciding factor of finding that animal or not. Right. Yep. You good chance on that? Yeah, I'm good on that. Okay. Uh, and who was that question by? That was Darth Tater, my man Tate, <laughs> a man total Tate. badass. So him and my brother-in-law. When they put it, when they, they when busted they put out, it, they busted out, yeah, today. they busted out eleven miles. Talk about some hardcore motherfuckers. I would die past six. Yeah, six. Uh, I yeah. die past two. I'd be huffing and puffing. <laughs> they, they, they averaged out a, a yeah. nine-minute mile at eleven miles. The suckers are, are getting after yeah. it this morning. Uh, they're this is going to be their first backcountry hunt this year, and they are getting down with it. Yeah, I'm they glad are. they're not going with me because they would whoop my ass up the mountain. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not lazy, but I'm I know where I need to be. And I'm not really getting much better. You get to, you get to that <laughs> I know, point. And you're I like, know where I need good. to be just enough to get up the mountain and not kick my ass that bad. Yeah. But these guys, I know they're gonna they're gonna have a blast. They're gonna be able to run up and down that mountain, chase the elk. It's, but yeah, uh, that that first question was from Bailey Honeycutt. Uh, that chick is badass. She can outshoot all of us. So <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that there. <laughs> all right, this question. It's gonna be from Blake. Uh, spot and stock hog. This is a two-part question. Spot and stock hogs and learning to work on both by yourself. So on the first question, uh, we kind of all have the same technique when it comes to spot and stock hogs. So I'm gonna let them go down just to cut down on some time. Uh, first thing when when hunt we hunt pigs. First thing is uh make sure your wind's always right. That's it. Wind is wind is very key in, in hunting anything spot and stock. And a lot of people want to discredit pigs, you know, because their eyesight, I'll give it to them, is not very good. But you're not going to fool their nose like most animals. And I find that a pig's nose is just, if not better than a whitetail's. Honestly, I don't think it's that their eyesight's that good. I just think they're a distracted feeding animal. Yeah. So, yeah, like, like you got to think deer. They're they're down and their head's up when they're chewing. They're, they're going down to get a bite and throwing their head up, looking around, chewing. These pigs are nose to the ground digging and i mean i've they had i've had pigs pick me off from a long ways away and once they know you're there they're on edge and always throwing the head up mm-hmm. and once they throw one little grunt out the whole group knows you're there but go but ahead i i think wind is is the most important and then the second is just walk slow and it doesn't matter if it's wintertime summertime whether you think there's pigs in the area or not, as soon as you step out the truck and step into the woods, just slow down. It, I mean, you're not going to hurt anything because the second you 
you start speeding up and, and think there's nothing there, that's when you're going to jump them up and that's when you're going to see them either bedded or, or in front of you. And then once they see you and they know you're there, everything just becomes that much that much harder. Yeah. And the chance you want to... Yeah, you know, spotting, stalking pigs is uh, is our our test to, to big game. Like, that's, that's what we train. We do that pretty much every other weekend or so to... To train for our our big game hunts because uh, it really tests your bow and arrow setup. It tests your bow and arrow setup and it tests your skills. I mean, it, like Ryder said, these animals are not dumb. A lot of people think they are, but uh, they're the same people riding around on buggies shooting them from from the roads with rifles. And we're 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 out there getting sub fifty. You know, I I was actually on a stalk last night. We got to seventy two. I had to cross a fence and. Uh, Got in there to 40, and I couldn't get a good range on him because the grass was tall, and the, the wind swap hit me right in the back of the neck. That sucker was gone. Within mm-hmm. within five seconds yeah. of the wind hitting us, threw his head up and... Gave him just enough time to put his rangefinder back in his pouch and clip his release on, and that, I mean, that thing was gone. Yeah. And never checked up. Never checked up. I don't think he ever seen me. He just smelt me because yeah. I, was, I was crouched down in the grass. Yeah, but, he threw that head up. And these, these suckers are smart, and... They they put a whooping on us sometimes, but uh, we try to stay on them. We do we do pretty good on them pigs. It's a lot of fun. And another thing is, if you're hunting pigs in the summertime, water is key. Yeah, you gotta have water because those pigs. Not rainwater either. No, no, no. Constant stationary water. Stationary water. A, a, a main creek, a main pond. Those a animals big river. don't sweat like we do, so they gotta find a way to cool down. And water to Mud. them is everything. Yeah. And if you can find a place that always holds water and kind of hang around there and walk slow, guarantee you'll run into at least a group, group of pigs. Definitely. If it's a midday, they're going to be in the thickest briar stuff. And like back to the walk slow of rider. Walk slow and look down low. Look, We've been look at so the close base to of trees, at the base of briar thickets. I mean, you'll, you'll walk five, ten yards from these pigs and then they'll jump up and run sometimes. It's like, oh my gosh. But go ahead. That good? Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. Um, another one from the Belly Honey Cut. Where do you find your motivation to train as hard as you do? Okay, so honestly, that's back to getting your ass kicked factor. Yeah. <laughs> Once you go one time and you realize that it was not a joke and that it actually makes your hunting memory more favorable i guess you should say when you're fit and in shape and can get up and down and up and down those mountains yeah you're not yeah over yeah 30 seconds you it fitness is a really big key to hunting like that in my opinion yeah on the move yeah 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 that's that's my answer too just just muscle memory getting your ass kicked on that mountain for the first time you're gonna come back and you're gonna train harder for the next one. I promise you. That's for sure. Because uh, that first year that me and Hunter went, I I got my ass handed to me, <laughs> and I come back that next time and I said, I'm not. This ain't gonna happen no more. Yeah. I'm gonna have to train for that. My uh my motivation comes from the people around me. I mean, if you you surround yourself with people who are getting after it and busting their ass when it comes to backcountry hunting that's anything in life you surround yourself with with good people you're gonna you're gonna become what what they are and if they're putting in you know miles and circuits and 
shooting every day, you don't want to slack up, so you're going to do the same. And that's a good one. That's, yeah. that's really what I got on that. I'm going to save that one for last. Okay, this is from Thomas Crumlin. Chance, you remember him? Yeah, boy. What's up, the hog? What one piece of equipment made you a better bow hunter? Hmm. I'll let y'all go. Go ahead, Ryder. I'm I'm a I'm pretty pretty young. I'm 19 in college, and uh, it's my first was my first year in college, and uh, I've never really had a, a good job. At least I've had a job, but never really had a good job to buy the the best equipment. I've always been the budget minded. If if it was the cheapest, that's what I went with. And I up until just probably what a couple of days ago, I shot a like a 2006 kids bow <laughs> at 60 pounds. I mean, you could adjust the draw length without a bow press. I mean, it was a literal kids bow, and I've shot that bow for eight years. I've killed so much crap with that; it was hard to let it go. And I just got to map these verdicts, but honestly. I've never really based my 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 skill set or, or my hunting ability on equipment. It's been my mindset. It doesn't matter what somebody puts in your hands. If you got the right mindset, you can make anything work. And that's that's with anything in life. If you have the right mindset, you can you can bust ass and and push through and and find success on the other side with a with a positive mental attitude and a, a great mindset. And that's my that that's something I carry, not only hunting but but in life. And that's what's made me one thing that's made me a better bow hunter. I can agree with Ryder. Yeah, I can attest to him on that because me and Chance gave him hell about because <laughs> you got to mind mind you. Me and Chance we got sick on. We got Matthew, you know, high end. Me and Chance, we we like high quality equipment. And riders over Don't here. Don't get me wrong. Riders over here my- with some mossy yoke and you know a kid's bow with pink strings on it. <laughs> <laughs> but damn, that son of a bitch knocks some pigs down with it. So I, I that mindset he's got is is something good, and I yeah. think everybody should take that with them. Especially with his uh, with his young age, that that mindset is. You don't something. always have the best. Got to have the best equipment, the best clothing, the best optics. Get what you can find at what your price is. Don't worry about what anybody else is buying. Find what your price is and, and get your, confident in it in yeah. your budget and get confident in it. And confidence kills more than anything else. Yep, for sure. Solid on that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, me and Hunter might have the same answers. I'm not sure. But mine was getting rid of that wrist rocket and buying a thumb release just because we were to the point of uh, if we were shooting a 10-inch group at 50 yards, (laughs) we were fine with it. And... As soon as uh, we draw that bow back and that pin come across, we was smacking the crap out of that trigger. I know I was. And I, 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 st- I still struggle with it. I switched literally three days ago from to, a wrist strap release to index finger to a hinge. Yeah. And I shot today, I shot that hinge release for two days. I shot the best group at 50 I've probably ever shot in my life. And I've been shooting it with it for two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And if you struggle with target panic, that meaning if that pin floats across the deal, floats across your bullseye, and you feel like you have to slap the trigger, go to a back tension, go to a a, a hinge style release. I'm so bad, I can't even have the option of a trigger. I don't want it. Because I know when a hunting situation and the pressure is on, I'm going to go back to what feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be punching the trigger. Yeah. So I just said, to hell with the trigger, Let give me something that doesn't have it. Yeah. The, the, thumb, the thumb helped me a lot. Uh, I'm still not on a back tension or a hinge yet. And I, I still have have cases of punching the trigger on a thumb but it it increased my uh target accuracy tremendously and uh that's probably the one thing that's helped me out a lot yep so i'm right there with chance uh i had legit target panic there i had this little pig it it screwed all of us up none of us could hit the son of it right chances first shot the piggy hitting the and the uh, pecker. Yeah. <laughs> the, this the, little the actual bitch. target had a pecker. Yeah. So <laughs> messed me up so bad. Ryder could never I hit. I quit shooting it. I, I literally could not hit the target. I think it's because I had I had the pig, which was black, and then I had like a black block target behind it. But we would always hit low on it. I don't understand why. But okay, so I ended up spray painting dots on this pig. Forty yards, you know, that's chip shot now. It used to not be. Um, I would bring this, I'm talking, I wouldn't even get hardly anchored in. And if my pit, my pin came across that dot, I would hit the trigger as hard as I could, as fast as I could. Sometimes not even hit the freaking target at all. So I finally just sat down researching one day and I, I don't was even like, think you knew you had to No, that was I didn't. A thing. I didn't know it was a thing. I just thought like I sucked, you know? <laughs> and so I'm, you know reading up on it and like target panic is a real thing and i'm like oh shit and so then i go to how to cure target panic blah blah blah. there's people saying there's courses don't buy a freaking course buy a back tension release and throw your trigger release in the trash or in your backpack for a backup and don't pull it out unless you absolutely need it but i went to a back tension it took me a while to get used to a couple months yeah and but I shoot so good with that thing now. I've seen this man barely put a six-inch group at 30 yards to putting a three-inch group at 80. Yeah, it, it's it, it was, it's a true game-changer. Now, I'm still getting the hang of hunting with it, which I mentioned earlier in the podcast, because I haven't committed to it. For some reason, I go back to that, like Ryder said, that comp, that comfortable feeling, and I've always, and I'll, I shoot having a, that a trigger thump, there having that trigger there. So, I'm... I pretty much committed 100% to it. I'm wanting to hunt with it. I'm wanting to target shoot with it. I know I have the muscle memory to shoot with it at an animal. I just have to be disciplined and go through my complete shot sequence like I do every time on foam. Uh, so, yeah, that silverback, that, that's what made me a better bow hunter. Aside of that, if I can do a question, uh, like a second one, it's definitely going to be my own bow working equipment so like my press and everything working on my own bow didn't we skip over that that two-part question from blake we skipped over working on your own bow 
Oh, yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah, we'll have to go back to that. Yeah. Or we can do it now. I'm pretty much yeah, done. Yeah, pretty much. Go ahead and yeah, we're going. Right so that's, okay, so that's probably another, we'll go to those two questions kind of intertwined. Yeah. That's probably another thing that's made me a better bow hunter. Uh, just because I've never got, I've never been able to leave a shop and come home and screw on a fixed blade and get it to fly good past 30 yards. Just that's, I think that's another thing why people are so pro mechanical these days. Um, cause they go to a, yeah. a bow shop and they have, a and you can kid. shoot a bullet hole through paper and screw on a freaking fixed blade and it still won't fly right. It's got, there's, I mean, there's so much tweaking and that arrow has to be perfect for that arrow, that fixed blade. Me to fly and I right. had went through this trying to get my bow to yeah, shoot. Yeah. It, it gave me some hell. I, what we do it yesterday? Yeah. We built his I mean, bow we yesterday. We were out here for four hours trying to get this bow to shoot in the, you know, Field point and broadhead hit the same place. I mean, we spent hours out here trying, and we couldn't figure it out. And then yeah. one little minor adjustment to my bow, and then we're banging at yeah at seven. And I'm no pro bow mechanic at all, but I have pride in my work, and I'm very anal about stuff. Very anal. <laughs> and when when you start doing your own bow work. When you do it yourself, that builds confidence. Yes. And confidence kills. Yeah. And you learn so much more about all this stuff. Like, you come out here and you shoot, and it's not like, oh, man, I got to drive an hour back to the shop. Or, oh, man, I ripped a fletching off my arrow. I got to, you know, take this one arrow back to the shop and let him refletch it. No, I just walk into my closet or walk out there to my barn and do what I got to do, and I'm back, back banging. Business. Yeah. Yeah. So, doing your own bow work, uh, if you want to learn, I'm going to say go to Knock On Archery. He's got, that dude's freaking awesome, John Dudley. Shout out, Dudley. Yeah, shout out, Dud Dud. Um, him, I would just focus on him. Same with your target panic. He's the one that sells that silverback. He goes through how you should properly shoot all releases, even releases with a trigger. Got yeah, school of knock. Yeah, school of knock if you're wanting to focus on your form. And if you want one of those releases and you're really looking into it, they sell out instantly. Yeah. So go to the, go to the online, get notif- no, notified yeah. when in stock. Do not buy too smooth. If you do, I'm going to steal it from you because I've been waiting on one. That's the hinge <laughs> release, by the way. Um, but yeah, if you want to work on your own bow, man, you don't have to have. Go, go to Lancaster Archery. Buy you, I wouldn't say the cheapest bow press you can find, but the, the cheapest quality bow press is all you need. Get you some serving, get you some dilute material, get you a fletching jig, some glue, and start there. Start working on it. Start tinkering with your own stuff. If you can afford it, buy you a separate cheap bow and just start tearing, tearing that thing apart. apart and building it back together. That is probably where the experience is going to come from. You can listen to somebody all day long, and until you get your hands on it and actually start doing stuff and seeing, oh, this does that, that does this, okay. And And then everything builds together. Until you really do that, because I had no idea what all goes into getting a broadhead to fly like a field point and getting an arrow to shoot bullet holes through paper and watching this man tinker with a bow. There's literally a hundred different things you can do to get that bow to do one thing. 
and it all has to be done in sequence. And when you go to your bow shop, they spend 30 minutes on it, hand it right back to you and say, hey, it's good to go. They don't and, tell you what, what was wrong with it or what they did or any of that. And they're tuning it to them and not you. And you is all that matters. Yeah. And we've had to figure that out the hard way yesterday. Because for some odd reason, I can shoot Hunter's bow, but he can't shoot mine. And he just had to bite the bullet and said, dude, we're just going to have to tune it to you. And at the end of the day, you're all that matters. If the guy at the bow shop is shooting all kind of whack and you're shooting bullet holes, then you're the one that needs to have that bow tuned to you. And you're the person that matters. Yep. So that's for working on bows back. So I think yep. we're to that last question now, right? Let me, let me check real quick. Yeah, I think it's the last one on there. I want to say it's the favorite hunting memory. <clears throat> Pretty sure that's our last question. Check. Can't find it. <laughs> Go to my messages. I sent it to you. Go ahead, Chance. We're going to make that one. Favorite hunting memory. Oh, man. My favorite hunting memory probably going to be my elk. My first elk. You know, I got I got lucky. I got lucky as shit on that, actually. Uh <laughs> So I was I was able to harvest the elk my first year elk hunting actually. Last one. And uh, me and Hunter went to Colorado the year before. Or, yeah, we went to Colorado the year before and uh, did some scouting and stuff like that and went back elk hunting. Actually, no, I skipped a year. You yeah. went back, and then I went, I, I went back the second year with you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, but I was able. To uh, harvest an elk on my my first ever elk hunt, and uh, that which that is was very rare, very rare. And you look at your top elk hunters, which is like, like you look at your Corey Jacobson and all them. It took them like, Seven, yeah, there's some eight, badasses nine. now. Like yeah. they'll go call in bulls and kill bulls every year, but it took them ten years to kill their first elk. Yeah, yeah. So it was a uh, truly remarkable. I'm on year number four, by the way. <laughs> Can't say I have not had opportunity, but I have not knocked one to the ground yet. Yeah. So that's that's bow hunting also. And this will be my first year to tag along. Yeah, Ryder's tagging along with me this year. I'm super stoked about that. I'm ready actually... to whoop his ass on that mountain. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will actually I'm ready be, for you to get be hunting, but uh, I'll definitely be tagging along and you know waiting experience. for him to put a bull on the ground and and uh, sharing that experience. Yeah, with. sharing that 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 suffering of putting that weight on your back and coming down the mountain. But. Yeah. So that that uh that hunt was just truly an eye opener to me about uh like I said earlier how much uh physical strength goes into that. And me and Hunter carried that that entire bull 3.2 miles down the mountain in uh in one trip. Never again will I ever do that. Uh that was hell hell i think you said it was so heavy it blew the it blew the zippers off your pack yeah it did yeah. on hunters for sure and yeah uh that that was that was bad i don't ever recommend doing that with two people take 10 years off your life yeah <laughs> that definitely took a toll on my life i mean you would fall yeah and uh it's not like it would you, hurt yeah you gotta walk this elk is in the middle of the woods and there's deadfall and terrain changes and big rocks and you step the wrong way a little bit too much, and you're on your back before you know it. Yeah. 
And I mean, it doesn't hurt because you're just laying on a big pile of meat. But <laughs> it is hell to get back up. Ah, oh, dude, it is hell fell, to get back up. The, the other person is ten yards in front of you. They have to turn around and help you. Brad and Chance are arguing right now. <laughs> well, he's something. over here jamming my magnets into the table, scraping <laughs> shit up, and I sharpened it last night. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, like I said, if 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 he was to fall, I would literally have to go over there and pretty much kick him back onto his stomach yeah. so he could do a push up and get out of there. But that hunt was that hunt was something else. That that was a really fun hunt, and especially the stuff that happened after that. And yeah, seeing the 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 very highs go to the to the very, very lows, lows within a matter of two days and, and hearing elk bugle for the first time that was just badass yeah was, i can't wait badass. i can't wait to to experience that mm. i don't know if y'all have ever been hunting and hearing the elk bugle but you're gonna pee about 40 times <laughs> at least and, 100 and did. about a hundred yard stretch <laughs> at least 100 did <laughs> oh that's that's kind of like hearing a mountain lion man that it'll make your hair stand up on your neck that shit is just amazing go ahead Ryder my uh my favorite hunting memory would probably be my my first backcountry hunt this year or what was it 20 was it yeah yeah it was in a this January at the beginning of the year I uh we all went to uh, Arizona on a mule deer hunt together and uh, that was my first backcountry hunt, or really even hunting in, like, mountains. Out of state. Yeah. Out of state. First hunt out of state. I mean, it was a first for a, a lot of things. And and that hunt really showed me how uh, how unprepared I was being. being <laughs> first of all, Ryder's an unprepared person to begin with. Like, I can't. Would, pre- would you leave at home? Binoculars everything else. Hey, don't, don't brag on me that bad. So, we're about five miles five hours from home and uh i start thinking to myself i start feeling like i forgot something so i start thinking you know i got this i got this i got this. now mind you a couple of days before the hunt i tell Ryder because well when i'm somewhat experienced back i'm like dude put all of your stuff in a pile before, like the day before, two days before, put everything in a pile that you're going to take with you. Like, it doesn't have to be organized in that pile. Just make sure it's all in that pile. That way, whenever you get home from work or you're loading the truck, you already know everything is there. And what did he not do? Well, I, I don't put it in a pile. I just think, <laughs> oh, it ain't no big deal. I ain't going to forget nothing. Well, we're about five hours, and I start thinking, wait a minute. I don't have my bino bivy. <laughs> well, get you my bino bivy holds my binoculars, my range finder, my kill kit. And on this hunt, glassing is everything. If you yeah. don't have binoculars, spot and scope, you're just not going to find any animals. And I was almost, I literally had a lump in my throat. I didn't even want to say anything. <laughs> I just want to act like I, I didn't even know. I'm pretty I, sure you didn't say anything. You didn't at first. You were like, you said, oh shit. And then we we're like, "What?" And I'm looking at Rearview Mirror, and you're like, "Nothing, it's all good." <laughs> and then I kept looking at you, that Rearview Mirror. I was like, "Bro, what did you forget?" I didn't want to tell him. I knew it was something. I was—I literally <laughs> had a lump in my throat. I didn't want to say anything because I knew I was like, "Thank God I brought extra money." And get this—I'm a broke college student. 
it took everything, every penny I had just to get there and buy a tag and a license. Thank the Lord I brought a little bit more money and I just bought binoculars there. Hunter, being the experienced backcountry hunter that he is, brought an extra bino bivy. There you go. And I just used one of their rangefinders, but end up forgetting that and my gloves. And I didn't know I forgot my gloves till it was 18 degrees and the wind <laughs> blowing 40 miles an hour. And my hands are about to fall off. I put on some leather gloves that I had extra in my pack just because I like wearing it. Leather gloves if I'm thought, like working at camp or I something. Thought those were mine. They might have been, yeah. yeah they were one of y'all's, but they were still cold as hell, I'll tell yeah. you that. <laughs> yeah, the leather gloves are not good in cold weather. No. They're good for that camp, you know, cutting firewood or building a fire. But yeah, riders. But yeah, that was a good memory for that all was of us, honestly. And I uh, ended up stalking in. It was what, three hour, three and a half hour stalk? Yeah, I mean fog fog would settle in and then lift and settle in. He got lost a couple times. Which and it was a, probably the most eye-opening experience of, of spending that much time pursuing an animal and, and closing all the way in under 100 yards, you know, and we're using radios, radioing back and forth and they're kind of guiding me in. Losing radio service and having all this adversity all to kind of build up to a 68-yard shot and me miss two inches low. And that shot kind of showing me, hey, I need to I need to conquer this target panic. I need to get a better bow set up because, rewind a little bit, we pull into Arizona, start shooting our bows before we head out. And uh, I figure out my rest is broke. <laughs> we ain't been there twenty minutes, and I end up having to shoot hunters. Back, bro. back to the backcountry experience. He traveled in a soft case. Chance and I traveled in a hard case. But that's also back to the broke college kid. Yeah, so traveling, go ahead. Traveling yeah. sixteen hours. If you're gonna, happen. if you're, and his bow is in the back. It wasn't in the truck. It was in the back. So if you're gonna travel and you don't have a hard case. Man, put your put that cab. put that some bitch in your lap. That is that's the reason you're going. Put it in your lap if you have to. If you have a nice quality hard case, then you can throw it in the back. But yeah, I got there and my rest was broke. Uh, I've shot hunter's bow before, out to seventy yards, and I was like, hey dude, my rest is broke. You know, no no big deal. I've shot your bow. Let me shoot two groups, stack them at forty yards, and said, let's roll with it. You know, it's just. Water off a duck's back, no big deal. We'll figure it out. And uh, I ended up missing him at, at 68 yards. Wasn't a huge muleter by any means, but that shot showed me that I need to get my ass in gear and, and really better my better my bow and better some of the, the stuff I have on my bow because you travel that far and you spend that much money all for, all for something so, so tiny to impact your hunt. And... And that that hunt really showed me my my uh, my flaws. Yep, Hunter. So mine's gonna be that exact same hunt, uh, Arizona, and I, I was actually able to harvest a coos deer on that hunt first day. First stalk, first day, first there. stalk. Uh, we have plans to walk in probably about seven or eight miles and backpack camp. And we made it five miles. So. Mind you, yeah, mind you, we drive all night. Uh, that first 
We, I mean, what, how far of a drive was it? 14, 15 hours. 15 hours. It was right at 16. 16. To where we so, hunted. 16 hours. Town was 15. Then we had to stay in town for a little bit until someone opened to get license and tags. <laughs> That's a, another yeah, story. Yeah, we ate at Denny's and all that. <laughs> we'll uh, have to tell. <laughs> and so, none of us sleep. None of us get any sleep. You're We're so just, jacked yeah. up about being on an out-of-state hunt that as much as you want to sleep and it being 3 o'clock in the morning... You just can't go to sleep. Now you'll coon up and pass out on the way back home, but on the way up there, none of us slept, and so we we immediately hop out of the truck, shoot our bows, and then start hiking. And we're it's a bitch. I mean, this this is some rugged country. It's not far ridge to yeah. ridge, but it's very up and down steep. There's yeah. not any flat spots. Right. And it's it, there's no grass. I mean, it's rock. Complete just rock the the whole way. Yeah. I mean, there's not a not a smooth spot, and on north facing slopes. And I experienced this. I was the only one who had to had to kind of face this obstacle. Is a uh, hard packed snow. That shit's loud. I had to figure that out the hard way. Yeah. I never hunted in snow. I live in Texas. <laughs> it's a uh, 110 degrees damn near in the wintertime. I told you it was gonna be loud. <laughs> and they're telling me, hey, it's gonna be loud. I'm thinking. I'm thinking powdered snow. It's quiet as hell. No, this is sound like you're just dropping a bag of ice every time you every time you take a step. Just crunch, 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 and that's just another you know another thing that comes with the experience of of hunting out of yeah. state. So back to the favorite hunt memory. Uh, we're hiking in. We sit down to eat lunch because it was a little bit. It kicked our ass a little bit more, and it was a little bit further than we were expecting. So we sit down and eat lunch. Mind you, we did not eat lunch because as soon as we plopped on the ground, Chance had already had deer spotted, and so I pretty much threw my backpack under a tree and got on underneath the glass. And we ended up glassing several bucks on this ridge line. Found the biggest one, and he was actually with a hot doe. At one point, there's there was nine bucks on this one doe. Yeah, and he, I mean, that buck was just trying everything in his power to keep these other deer away, and he kept pushing this doe further and further down into this ravine, and finally they bedded up, and that was like my opportunity. Like, okay, we got a pin. I hauled ass around and got lost, and radio signal got lost. Yeah, Thank was, God I had Onyx. Now they would relate back to and find my way and get back radio contact with them. But anyways, I'm stalking down this animal. They're guiding me down, and I'm probably 80 yards from it. There's another coos deer bedded down to my left. Um, and I probably sit in one spot for about an hour and 45 minutes. And remember, I'm sleepy. So I started, I literally falling asleep with a release on my bow, arrow in my bow, sitting there pointing my arrow at this other coos deer that's bedded down from me. Because if he stands up, I'm going to shoot him. Well, I'm sitting here falling asleep. And we've been, me and Chance yeah. been on the radio so long that we're just swapping back and forth every hour because the way the earpiece sits in your ear, it it's like having headphones in. Right. It's just not comfortable. It starts hurting after a while. It starts hurting. So we're just switching, you know, talking hunter, hey man, you know, what's going on? relaying information back and forth just staying in touch and uh at this point i got i'm on the radio and, and hunter rings over the radio and is like hey hey y'all we we got to make something happen like now i'm falling asleep 
So I'm either about to sling one at 80 or y'all need to start chunking rocks. Y'all need to do something to get this deer, you know, up out of his bed and, and closer to him. So I look at Chance and I was like, it's either going to happen or not right here. Yeah. So I started ranging where this deer, because this deer was straight down from me. And I'm, and they were straight across from me. Ryder and Chance were straight across. And I knew if they threw rocks, this deer was going to come straight up. And he was either going to come to the left of this tree at 30 yards or to the right of this tree, like sub 10. So they start chunking rocks. And nothing. I mean, I, I yeah. took a chance. I was like, hey, dude, chunk, start chunking rocks. Well, he chunks the first rock and it hits and this mule deer acts like there ain't nothing going Coos on. Deer. Or yeah, Coos deer. <laughs> acts like they're not a care in the world. And I tell Chance, I was like, hey, rear back and chunk that thing. And he chunks a rock off this other side of the canyon and it hits and this Coos deer just stands up. Very lackadaisical, not worried about, you know, very much. But he does stand up and acknowledge that, hey, something's going on. And I'll tell Chance, I was like, chunk another one. He picks up the biggest rock he can find and chunks it off the side of this deal. And when it hits, this buck turns and starts, you know, trotting up towards Hunter. Yeah. Well, I grab the radio instantly, and it's like, this buck is like on a string straight to Hunter. Has no idea he's there. And I'm like, straight to you, straight to you, straight to you. Well, he never says anything back. Yeah. The radio signal has been very patchy the whole time. So I have no idea if he's hearing me, if he's, you know, getting what I'm trying to relay over the radio. So we're me and Chance is like, well, like what's gonna happen? And you can take it from here. Yeah. So this, I hear Ryder come with the radio saying, "Come to you." So I'm, I'm not thinking about radio on back saying, "Okay." <laughs> I had this release <laughs> clipped into my string and pointed towards this brush that I said I ranged. I knew he was gonna come to, and I see him come. And I draw back, and I'm just waiting to see what side he pops out on. And he popped out to the right side. He was seven yards, walking slightly quarter to me. And I freaking shot him. And immediately saw blood just pouring out. And he runs out of my sight. And I hear Ryder come back over the radio. He's pouring, he's pouring. And then they're like, he stopped. He's going down. Well, then I hear this freaking... He, he knocked a rock down on his way down, and the rock went all the way down to the bottom, so I thought it was my deer. But we, it ended we up not be. Yeah. We saw him fall, but we couldn't see where where his final resting spot was. And we Hunter's like, did he go to the bottom? And I was like, well, I don't see him. I, I think he did go to the bottom. Yeah. We don't know. He might have. And uh, we kind of got Hunter to blood, and, I mean, it's a foot-wide path. I mean, a blind man could see it. And walks straight to him and looks down and there yeah, he is. Yeah, he was laying right there. And it took them a long time to get around. Uh, we might save a little bit for that for another, another podcast. But I had it corded out by the time they got there. Uh, just to have my two best friends, you know, helping me pack that thing out. Camping down the creek with me at night. And just experience all that with them. That's definitely my going to be my favorite hunting memory. Now... Hopefully, we'll have some new favorite hunting memories this coming year. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going def- We're all pretty much going back to Arizona. Some of us twice. Change yeah. the ride going back twice. I'm, uh, making a, I'm making a trip in December to try to fill that tag as well as chances in August right. to try to fill that tag that we didn't get to fill in Arizona. We're pretty that- much all plan on shooting some uh, mouflon rams this year. 
That'll be fine. That's my. Hopefully, uh, I'll shoot a, a elk. That's that's my obstacle. I need to get past is getting me an elk down. Yeah. But yeah, I want to probably ram more than I want anything else. <laughs> I have a fixation with rams that I don't know where it come from, but anything with curly horns gets me. Ah, <laughs> that's that's my animal. I no. want to ream an arrow down that. That's a very fun hunt. We'll have to save that hunt for another podcast. But you just wait till you get in that elk yeah. country, then them elk will be on your mind all yeah, the time. Yeah, them uh, elk, godly. Uh, I can't Real. wait, Real. but I'm also dreading having September on my mind for the next eleven months after. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, you're gonna it, hear it uh, you're yeah. gonna hear bugles in your in your dreams for yeah, months that after. That's real. It's real. You're going to wake, wake up, up and go not say, oh, shit, there's an elk right there and be like, oh, wait, I'm in bed. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wake up thinking I'm in my tent and try to open that thing up be like, honey, you hear that bull? I'm laying in bed. That's all up. the questions we had. Uh, thank y'all for sending questions yeah, thank in. thank y'all for sending questions yeah. in. Uh, the next one's either going to be either a bullshit podcast we just talk about or a gear one. I'm going to have to do some Q&As on gear. Yeah. Uh, but I'll post that on Instagram. Hopefully, yeah. we'll get quite a few questions on gear because we really, it might be a little bit longer podcast. It might be a two part because uh, we, we kind of all geek out on gear, yeah, especially especially me. You're, yeah. you're a freaking gearhead. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's your thing. Uh, Hunter's a gearhead, but we're, we're all kind of big on Listen, I would gear. have so much gear if I had the money. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm a gearhead <laughs> as well. My bitch pocketbook ain't as big. So I kind of skimp out and, and not skimp out, but go the more budget route yeah, of yeah. of the two. Gear's fun. Gear gear's is gonna fun. be a good podcast, but I think you this- you learn a lot of stuff messing with gear, and you learn where your confidence levels are with everything. Uh, I'm having a little bit of trouble right now with some stuff, but that's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna salty. mention that. It's salty right now. But. We're getting it's past all it good. though. I think this next one we're probably gonna do like a little little bullshit podcast, just yeah. tell some stories and stuff, and then we'll yeah. do our do our gear one in a week or two. If Ryder comes down, it'd be fun. <laughs> we'll, we're gonna have to see where this podcast goes. Uh, it's fun to do. I mean, even give if, us some feedback. Even if nobody listens, we really don't care. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still gonna be there for us to look back on in a couple of years and be like, man, yeah. man. We thank y'all. We're going to go... What time is it? It's 3.05. Three, we're probably going to shoot bow some more. Maybe yeah. make another mixed drink. Uh, and then we're going to go try to kill three pigs this evening. Yep. Yep, three pigs. Uh, three up, three down. Yeah. Because so, uh, that big pig this morning gave us hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that little yo dog. I need, I need, redemption. I need redemption. <laughs> but yeah. I'm going to try to get the first one down with the new Matthews Verdicts. Yeah. Feels so good hunting with a... Big boy Shout out bow. to Buck Mining, by the way. Yes, sir. Thanks for the hell of a deal. Great bow. If uh, if we have any questions with bows, I mean that's that's who we go to. Yeah. But. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thank Appreciate y'all for tuning it. in. Later. See y'all in the next one.